Hi, I'm Luann Botta, and I'm Marianne Crum. You know, lots of things may be in short supply these days, but hope doesn't have to be one of them. Join us for the next 30 minutes or so, and we'll remind you how you can live with unquenchable hope. Hey, everybody. This will be our second episode on a topic that, <laughs> don't touch that dial, <laughs> may make you want to turn it off because you'll think, I don't need to hear this. What does this have to do with hope? But we've been talking about having a healthy fear of God yes. and the ramifications and the blessings, yes. the many blessings that come from having an accurate fear of God yes. the way it's supposed to you be. You know, it's so funny because there's a song that's in my head. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Kelly Willard. Uh-huh. That was way back in the day, yeah, the I've heard early of her. 80s and 90s. I loved her. She had a song called The Fear of the Lord. It just went, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you are flirting with sin, it will one day do you in. Oh, give it all to the Lord. Fits in perfectly. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I've heard of her. I don't remember yeah, that song. I got but... a lot of her music. We talked last week about having a healthy fear of God and yes. what that means and some examples in Scripture. Absolutely. Today we're going to begin with the flip side of that, because I think more of us struggle with mm -hmm. what's an unhealthy fear of God. What's the kind of fear that He doesn't want us to experience? Because that word fear, we automatically uh -huh. think terror, yeah, yeah, and yes. I don't want any part of that, right. and can't mm -hmm. approach yes. somebody because we're afraid. So that's not no. what he means. That's Correct. not what that word is supposed to convey. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the extremes. I mentioned these last week because I said some people feel like God is this Santa Claus yeah. and they basically have no fear because he's just there to bless. To give them everything they want. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And then the other extreme is they think he's like Hitler, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that he's a tyrant. <clears throat> I just made a list. So people who think that God is very much a tyrant, and you and I kind mm -hmm. of both Grew came up, up with that. that. Mm -hmm. I think part of that is that then we don't believe that God's intentions are good. Oh, that's yeah, good. We just don't believe that he wants what's good for us. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. So when we read his commandments, and we're reading him with this mindset of, this is going to be bad, okay? That's good. We don't trust his love, um, which happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We believe that he wants to humiliate, manipulate, or harm us, like a tyrant. He's just trying to exercise his authority mm -hmm. over us. But the truth is really that he intends every warning and threat that he gives us to motivate us to obey him so we can be whole and flourish. Yes. Really, if we believe the truth that God is good and his intentions for us are always good, yes. it makes obedience a whole lot easier. I wrote down everything you just said. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I was quiet for a couple of seconds, because it makes so much sense. It's exactly, exactly, exactly what we think. Do you don't believe God's intentions are good? I had written this down to God doesn't speak like an accuser. So if we hear accusations towards us, God doesn't speak like an accuser. I don't know if I've shared this before, but the difference between condemnation yes. and conviction. Yes. That condemnation, Huge. which is the accusing voices we hear in our head, they're uh -huh. from the enemy, Correct. are always these generic, general things like, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything, everything you try fails, yeah. nobody likes you. Correct. Those kind of general things that just leave you feeling hopeless, like there's no way out of this pit. That's right. 
the conviction of the mm-hmm. Lord is so different than being accusatory. That's right. The conviction is clear, like you did this and you need to do this. Yes. Repent. Correct. Yes. Right. There's a massive it, difference. It's a very specific thing. And there's always a way out. God always gives us the way out of That's that. Right. Through so, repentance or whatever. Correct. Right. So yes, so Satan's like, described as an accuser of the brethren. Brother, and he will do that. And that condemnation is not the Lord's voice. No. It's not his voice. If we believe that those kind of voices are coming from God, it just increases that, I guess, inappropriate fear of him where we feel like we can't approach him. Right. Because we're so bad and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's not God. Mm -mm. Again, when he convicts, it's very clear. Okay. So looking at the other side, the people who believe (laughs) that God's like Santa Claus, yes, they don't believe that God has the right or the desire to rule our lives. He's just there to dispense blessings like a vending machine. (laughs) You know, that he's kind of so far (laughs) out and so irrelevant. They may believe that God exists, but he doesn't have anything to do with us personally. Right, right. People who believe that usually ignore the warnings and the threats in the Bible because they Mm. think God isn't serious. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Or that's probably... He doesn't really mean that. That might be where people would say that that's not true or that's not... Yeah, God that's or, not yeah. that's not how he is now. Yeah. That was Old oh. Testament. Mm. Yeah, someone not. just said something recently. I think they were on TV. They said, oh, that's not God now. We're like, okay, when did he change? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when I didn't hear about that one. <laughs> right. Yeah, they think God is mostly irrelevant to their everyday lives. Yeah. So they just live as though he doesn't exist mm-hmm. and that the, the warnings and stuff in the Bible are just meaningless. I can figure out what's best for me. This is from a website that I mentioned last time, Desiring God, which is John Piper's ministry. And so this quote is from the article I read. It says, the legitimacy of a threat depends upon the context and whether the threatener has legitimate authority. Mm. The Bible reveals a God who is sovereign and powerful, the ultimate legitimate authority. Since he is our creator, we belong to him, and he has every right to command, threaten, and judge. Wow. Now, again, we mentioned this last time. In churches, even for us doing this podcast, it's kind of uncomfortable to be the one to remind people that God (laughs) is the one who's going to judge us and that he does have warnings and threats in the Bible. If you do this, Mm -hmm. then this is what's going to happen. Oh, yes. At the end, when he wraps this whole thing up, Mm -hmm. if we have not trusted in Christ as our Savior, we are under his wrath. Mm -hmm. We're in an age of grace right now, but read Revelation, and that's not like a fairy tale. He is storing up Mm -hmm. all his wrath for sin Mm -hmm. to pour out on this earth at the very end. Those of us who have accepted Christ, we're Mm -hmm. under the umbrella of his grace and that's what salvation That's right. is. We'll be saved from that wrath right, right to come. But we don't like to talk about it. It right. makes people nervous. <laughs> right. Because we're in a society and a culture that says God is love and he's all love. That's where there's no fear of God. Yeah. yeah that's where there's his no justice. healthy fear of God and his justice. Correct. Right. You can't just pick out certain of his characteristics mm-hmm. and just say that's all he is. Well, he talks about hell more than he talks about heaven You're in right. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. So there's a reason for that. And he doesn't want anybody to end up there. I was at a Bible study the other night. We were all laughing and we're like, who's the one person that God is waiting for them to get saved? Where are they? We'll just go to them right away. <laughs> I know. And go find Come them on, and dude. get them saved and let's Hurry get out. Up. <laughs> I know. 
He wishes that no one perishes. That's right. So that's the heart of our father. That's not a God that wants to smite you. Or if he wanted to, we'd be done now. Yeah. I mean, look how everything's getting turned up. The moral decay of our society right now is the worst I've ever seen it. The fact that he hasn't already poured out his wrath just shows how patient he is and how much he really is waiting for as many to accept Christ. Mm -hmm. So right there we see his father. That's not an earthly father. There's a big difference. That's another thing too. If we didn't have a good earthly father, if you were afraid of your father, you could be afraid of God. You know, if you're afraid of your earthly father, there might be a part of you that has an unhealthy fear of God. Mm -hmm. And so that can intertwine with it as well. Right. Yes. We really do need to separate the two. Oh, very much. He is the father that if we all could write down, what would be your idea of a perfect father? Oh, yeah. That's the kind of father God is. So we really have to disassociate our earthly father concept from that. Well, you know, it's funny. The question that we were given at Bible study the other night was right your love story of when you first met the Lord and Mm. where you're at now. And that was huge. That's good. You see where you were fearful at first and not sure of him. And then now where it has blossomed. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That was cool to do that. That's a good exercise to do. I had written this down. Unhealthy fear of God tends to come from either a misunderstanding of his love or a denial of his right to be in charge of our lives. Mm, So I think those are two things that need to be settled Mm -hmm. in our lives. And a scripture that came to my mind that we're going to talk about for just a minute, because we can see this contrast between a healthy and an unhealthy fear of God in Romans 8.15. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall Mm. back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Of course, we're talking about people that have accepted Christ. That's yes. who Paul is writing to, the, mm-hmm. the believers in Rome. But in that, you see two different spirits. There's a spirit of slavery, mm-hmm. and then there's a spirit of adoption. Yeah. This is a huge thing in how we fear God, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Because if I don't understand that he's chosen to adopt me and make me his beloved child, then I'm going to live like a slave or an orphan. Back when Mm -hmm. we did the series on the Father Heart of God, Uh, Mm -hmm. we talked about the orphan spirit, spirit. and I had that Mm -hmm. whole chart where we went through that. Yes, Really coming off the same verse. So he doesn't want us to feel like an orphan in this world. He wants to be our father, and he doesn't want us to feel like a slave. Mm -hmm. Like he's just up there with a whip, and when we step out of line, whoops, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Almost like an abused child would cower in front of their parent. Yeah. That is not at all what he's desiring for us. And that's where you can get off in the ditch with this subject. Yeah. You want to hear the fear of God, you think that, oh, no, I just have to shake and cower. No, that's not that at all. And a child that feels that way, that cowers, you you can see it. Yes. And that's horrible. It is horrible. But how many Christians live like that? Yeah. Because they don't understand understand this concept of a healthy fear of God. Right. True the love of the Father. Yeah, and it creates this huge barrier. Almost like in the Old Testament, you know, people couldn't really approach God. They had to go through the priests, right. and mm-hmm. once a year or something, he would go They're into sin. the Holy of Holies mm-hmm. where the Ark of the Covenant was, and mm-hmm. God dwelt there. Sure. And man, that priest, he had to <laughs> yeah. do everything right. right. They were so afraid he might get zapped that, yeah. it, that I don't know if this it is was. really true, but the legends are that they had to tie a rope around no, the ankle true. of the priest mm-hmm. and with a little bell on it. And if the bell stopped dinging, they had to, dra- <laughs> they would assume that he got zapped and drag him out. So you can imagine what people felt. 
They were totally afraid yes, of but God. At, but at the same time, look, when Moses is up on the mountain, they know he's meeting with God. He's taking too long. They go back into sin. I know. I know. <laughs> they were afraid of God, the person. Yes. His presence. Uh-huh. But they sure weren't afraid <laughs> to displease him down there making an idol. Yeah. You know, Moses on the mountain. Thank God our walk is a process. And That's the Lord right. lets us walk the process. But one of the things also in that verse in Romans that I read is that I love, love, love that in that verse, it talks about how we now have permission to call him Abba. Yes. Again, we've mentioned this in Mm -hmm. that other series, but Abba is the most familiar, tender name that a child would call their parent in Hebrew. So there again, you see that affection that we talked about last week, Mm -hmm. but you also see the respect because it's supposed to be a perfect family relationship and dynamic between us and God, where we have that healthy respect for our dad. Right. Yes. But we're not afraid to go sit on his lap. Yeah. We know he loves us. Yes. So that's what we're shooting for here. And Abba means daddy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the relationship he wants. Right. And I just love that that verse kind of encapsulates both of those things. He doesn't want us to be a slave. He Mm -hmm. wants us in the house with him, living like his child. But also recognizing he has the authority and every right to discipline us. Yes. yes. And he gets to make the rules Mm -hmm. in his house. Mm -hmm. Let's look at some verses that if you're just kind of casually reading the Bible, you could say, this doesn't make sense to me because we're supposed to fear God, but we're not supposed to fear. So how does that work? One of the verses is 1 John 4, 18. Yes, love that. And you have that Mm -hmm. in your notes, right? Yes. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. He who fears has torment. Some things say punishment. Yeah, for fear has to do with punishment. Yes, and you're not complete in Christ. How do we make sense of that when we're told to fear God? If perfect love casts out fear. Well, see, this is what I think. I think Jesus (laughs) is the perfect love. There's no fear in love for perfect love is Jesus. Okay, so perfect love casts casts out fear. Jesus casts out fear. Oh, you know what's cool about that? (laughs) Because we were just talking about the Holy of Holies. Yes. And and the priest could only go in. You know, when Jesus died, the veil that separated that Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. Yes. Literally. Yes. Torn from the top, like God did it, because it came from the top. If a man was going to tear it, he'd tear it from the bottom. Correct. And from what I've read, that veil was thick. Yes. It was very thick. It wasn't something that a human could, unless you had a chainsaw, could cut. So that makes total sense that because Jesus died, that opened up the Holy of Holies, Mm -hmm. and it casts out fear. Yeah. Because now we had access Access to God. We had access to Abba. Mm -hmm. That's good. Good. We surprise (laughs) ourselves sometimes. (laughs) We're so much deeper than we think we are. (laughs) No, that's good. But I used to always think because he's perfect love, then Jesus casts out fear. His name could have been right there. If you fear, you have torment. You live in a state of torment because you never feel like God is pleased with you. You feel like you're not going to go to heaven. I was talking with a lady a while back, and tragically, several of her children had died of different things and at different ages. One was a miscarriage, and then two of her children died from other things, accidents. I know. But she lived with this torment every day 
that she was going to do something that would mean that she couldn't go to heaven and be with them. When she said it, my heart just ached for her. And, you know, of course, I shared with her the the gospel and how you don't have to live with that. You can know that you're going to go to heaven through Christ. Did she think that the kids died because something she did? No, I, I don't know. She didn't really express that. She just felt like, well, they're in heaven, but if I mess up, I won't oh, get to go to heaven oh, and be with no. them. Oh, oh, oh. So every time she would do something that she recognized, well, that was sin, she mm-hmm. felt like, well, if I die right now, I'm not going to get to see my kids oh, in heaven. My. I know yes. it was this horrible torment. Yes. That's the torment. Well, the, yes. She didn't understand perfect love mm-hmm. of Jesus. She didn't understand that the veil had been, been torn, torn and yes. she, had, you know, she, she could be access. sure of her mm-hmm. salvation. So yeah, yeah you're right. It's and you know, torment. just by me saying that, if I can bring that up, because I think we still do this, when something doesn't work out, we think it's something we did. Mm-hmm. We go back to that. What, Lord, what did I do wrong? Yes. What did I do that's causing this? Right. That's causing this sickness. That's causing this. That's causing. Yes. And that's an unhealthy understanding of his love and the fear of God because he's not punishing like that. He disciplines. Yes, but, but it's not like, right. yeah. We're not under his wrath if we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he isn't just up there saying, okay, well, yeah, yeah you really blew it. No. So your whole future is ruined. Gone. Yeah. I had a friend cry a while ago and she was really crying. She goes, why is this happening? I don't understand. What did I do wrong? And I says, no, 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 no. That's not the God we serve. That's our old, unfortunately, she's Italian Catholic too. But <laughs> I said, that's our old upbringing. That's not who he is. Charles Swindoll, of course, is the author of a zillion books. This quote to me kind of hit the spot. He says, when we have God in clear focus, his powerful presence eclipses our fear. So that's that being perfected in love. That Mm -hmm. first John verse at the end says, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When we come into a more full, correct biblical understanding of God's love, when we get that in clear focus, then his presence eclipses our fear yeah. because his love is so powerful. That's right. That's exactly right. Love trumps fear mm-hmm. amongst his children. Yes. Oh, now, if you're outside of Christ, that's a whole other ballgame. You better be afraid. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing wrong oh, no. with coming to Christ out of healthy fear. Correct. That's when I did. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was more thinking, I want a ticket. I want a ticket to heaven. This sounds pretty good. Sign me up. Okay, another scripture that I think could be confusing is 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and mm. self-control. Mm. So if he didn't give us a spirit of fear, how are we supposed to fear God? I did a little digging, and that word fear in the original language would better be translated, according to what I read, as fearfulness, cowardice, and timidity, which is more of a mindset. He hasn't given us a spirit to walk around afraid of everything. Correct. Yeah, you're right. Or when we let fear get into our lives over our health or over all that, I always put that scripture in there. God's not giving me this spirit of fear. Yeah. And I love that he has that fear is mixed with a sound mind. Because he's telling you, I gave you a sound mind. I did not give you a spirit of fear. I gave you power. I gave you love. And I gave you a sound mind. I always pray for my emotions. Uh-huh. I always ask the Lord to have my emotions for the day. It doesn't always work out. <laughs> but it but it does a lot of times. So yeah. The best quote I can remember, <laughs> if I can remember it, about that is that emotions are a good passenger, but a terrible driver. Oh, that's yeah. good. Okay, I wrote down just some <laughs> symptoms of having an unhealthy fear of oh, God. Oh, okay, cool. 
do you tend to run from God and not to him Mm -hmm. when you have sinned? That's right. If your first impulse when you get convicted about a sin in your life is to hide from God, which is what Adam and Eve tried to do. Started from the beginning. Yep. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if your tendency is to run away from God, Mm -hmm. or even right now, if you realize there's an area of your life that you're living in sin in some way, 1 John 1, 9 is is what you need to put on that card and carry it around with (laughs) you. Confess that thing and repent. But don't run away from him. That's like the worst thing you can do. I know. Okay, another one is that you would tend to be legalistic. Oh, yes. Instead of enjoying that grace filled relationship mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. You would think more in terms of, well, if I follow these rules, rules. I'm okay. And if I don't, don't follow, follow these rules, rules I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I'm in trouble. You would have a lot of guilt and fear because you feel like you're never doing enough or you're not good enough. Correct. Those would be the tormenting thoughts. I think the unworthy comes from it that I'm not worthy. I, I can't go to God. I can't go to God. Right. I'm not worthy. So see, all these thoughts, when Paul tells us to take every thought captive that rises up against the knowledge of God, Mm -hmm. that's why this is so practical, because we all have these thoughts that come in our head. We need to take that thought and hold it up against the truth of God. That's right. Yeah. Which is that 1 John 1, 9. Mm -hmm. Well, if I have blown it, he's provided the answer. I confess my sins. Okay. The last symptom I thought of was just that this general feeling of being unloved or unlovable. Oh, yes. You know, yes, God can't love yes, me. You look, yes, I'm a mess. Yes. If these symptoms are resonating with you, mm-hmm. as you heard me list them off, then this subject should be very freeing for you. So I yes. hope that when we get through with it, you will mm-hmm. you will understand that this isn't the way you have to live with that kind of tormenting. And that's exactly right. Fear. Yes. Those are good. Gosh, we have filled up another episode. Oh, my, that was fast. That was fast. <laughs> well, we're not done yet, I know. folks. We're going to look at why is it important to fear God Mm -hmm. and what are the ramifications for us as individuals, but also even in our nation, in our culture, Mm -hmm. for not not fearing God. God. Mm -hmm. Okay, so come back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us today. If this podcast encouraged you, it might encourage someone else too. So please share it and share some hope.